0: hello and welcome to bottled up on a mission to create conversations and make the mental health of men a top priority you're joined by myself sunny and mayank close friends from university who want to share the stories of everyday people on our platform the reason because we are not alone before we kick this conversation off thank you for tuning in and listening if you haven't already It would be awesome if you could rate, review, and follow our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your conversations. It makes a huge difference to our reach with these awesome guests and potentially life-saving conversations. And if you haven't just yet, it takes 20 to 30 seconds to leave us a review and would help us out massively. Thank you again, and buckle up for another great conversation. Done. And we're live. Are we live, Ronnie? We are live. We are live. We are live. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, for those listening, <laughs> Ronnie and I are uh, probably half an hour in. We should have started recording a bit earlier on. Uh, there <laughs> were some really good and juicy moments in there. <laughs> uh, um, <clears throat> so, mate. Ronnie, mate. How are you? How are hey. you doing? I know uh, this... This could have been in person, but I'm not too sure if you want to share with the audience why this might not be in person at the moment. Hey,
1: mate. Yeah, yeah, no, it's all good. So uh, as fun as it would be to do this in a good, nice, fancy booth, one-on-one, it's not the best video when you get uh, diagnosed positive for COVID.
0: Uh, At least you're recovering well. uh, Yeah. Which is is a positive. Um, Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if that was a play on words right there. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, just a little bit, just a little bit. Uh, um, but yeah, jokes, jokes aside, um, I am super pumped for this conversation. Um, you, and I, you and I are close friends, um, which I think will make this one really interesting, because um, <laughs> yep, yep. it's almost like having a chat with a mate. I mean, all, all guests, it's it's very much a chat, but like you and I go back to, I think, 2016, uh, end of 2015, start of 2016 when we first met. Um, pretty funny story how we met. I'm going to save myself the embarrassment and not share that. But if anyone's <laughs> listening and they want to know that story, just let me know. <laughs> um, but yeah, how are you doing? Um, COVID aside, um, how are things in your life? Just wanted to take the time and just check in and yeah, just do a pulse check on how everything has been.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, mate, all things considered, I consider myself very blessed. And I mean, we'll we'll talk about this more in our chat (laughs) today. But I mean, compared to so many things that are happening in the world since 2020, I've lived a very, very good life. I mean, while many people are suffering so much during 2020, I'd arguably say it was one of the best years of my life. I mean, right now, given what's happening right now in the news, both domestically and abroad, I I have no complaints. And, And the problems I have covid maybe one or two small life admin things that frustrate me it's Mm. nothing in the scheme of things Mm. so overall Mm. life is good
0: and again can't complain as we're speaking right now not sure when this will get released but there's a lot of stuff happening in europe and covid itself has um, ravaged the world but hopefully we're seeing a bit of light on the other side and um yeah there's there's a lot there's a lot happening so there's um yeah i just want to take a moment and acknowledge all that um, as well as you know what we're about to get into. It's going to be quite a jam-packed hour I hope. We can be talking for a couple of hours but <laughs> hopefully the next hour will be jam-packed. Um, the, yeah I guess why I'm particularly keen about this conversation and we'll dig into all the different layers that's in, underneath it um, is first of all you as a human being. Like I really admire your story and, and your dedication, your discipline which you know, for the listeners that are listening, like really, like, Ronnie is one of the hardest working people I've, I've known so far. Like just the last couple of years, um, you, you being able to work so hard, but still keep such a positive smile throughout, you know, that whole startup journey is just incredible. And you and I have caught up a lot of times in between. You have been through very tough moments in there. Um, <clears throat> but just to have that sort of positive outlet, like I think that is very admirable. Yeah, one of the reasons why I'm quite keen about this conversation is, Often you know I'm passionate about startups. you're very passionate about startups, small business. they play a part in everyone's life, whether you are a small business owner or you know a startup founder or you know someone else that's doing their own small business doing their own startup and just sitting themselves up uh, sitting themselves up uh, on their two feet. Mm, um, yep. But often what doesn't get talked about is all the things or all the what I like to call invisible realities that exist behind that journey. Um, the sacrifices, the discipline, the dedication, the compromises, you know the relationships you have with yourself or with the people around you. These are all things, for better, for worse, play a role in that whole journey as well. Mm, so yeah. um, before I keep rambling on, I wanted to pass it over to you. Um, one, yeah, I guess if you could just do a bit of an intro for people listening in, um, who you are, um, I guess why we're speaking as well. But um, I do want to touch on, like the early days of Ronnie, like before you before you entered the startup world, what that journey was like and, and what upbringing was like for you uh, as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so I think with many of the things I'll discuss, we'll go into more in depth, but I guess for yeah, the benefit of everyone listening, <laughs> yep, again, my name is Ronnie. I've got a, a, got a Filipino background, parents came from the Philippines, moved to New Zealand actually, I was born there, then moved over here for a bit of high school and uni study, so a, a bit all over the place good fun good fun
0: nice
1: studied fun. in a studied in <laughs> university and i think what really surprises a lot of people especially given what i do and what i'm passionate about is that i did a bachelor of arts <laughs>
0: <laughs> and i
1: i still remember a lot of people even in university because I, I did a lot of startup internships and tried to start my own thing everyone assumed i was a, a business guy a commerce guy mm. And so they asked me so ronnie you know what do you major in do you major in economics or you know actuarial science or you know finance <laughs> i'd reply back with politics and asian studies yeah. and they always do a double take wondering you know i've never heard of these covers majors before but yeah yeah definitely go, you know business and startups and anything i guess you could say money related that was that was something that i was very very much into in uni yeah. Then straight out of university, started working at a tech company called Oracle, doing business development, uh, basically sales. And then one thing led to another, and we'll definitely go into detail here. <laughs> started working on a startup with a couple of really good mates called Jarvis. And then the the rest is history. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the... um. The years that ensued after. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy, definitely a couple of stories there. (laughs) I've never asked you actually. I know uh, in Iron Man, Jarvis is, you know, Tony Stark's butler. Is that where the name came from? I don't think I've ever asked you that.
1: 100%, mate, 100%. (laughs) So there's a bit of a story here. And I think this is a really good kernel of knowledge that a lot of people starting their entrepreneurial journey will find useful Mm. in that... My co-founders, those guys, freaking absolute guns, absolutely brilliant. And they they had a couple of reasons to start Jarvis. But one of them was they got inspired by an idea in the United States. And that business in the United States was called Hello Alfred. And Alfred was, you know, as we all, you know, for the comic book fans among us, butler of Batman, well, you know, Bruce Wayne. And so Jarvis, (laughs) butler of Iron Man, you know, Tony Stark. So, definitely some similarities in getting inspired by sort of names and not just business models. Yeah. But uh, yeah. getting inspired by uh, business models overseas, especially in the United States and China. You bring them yeah. here, well, you've already got a template for, if not guaranteed success, uh, a better chance of success. And, yeah,
0: it's nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You'll see another startup pop up called Hello Ned, the <laughs> acquaintance to Tom Holland. <laughs> exactly. <yeah. laughs> <laughs> new business idea, um, man, new business idea. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, that's 50% of product market fit right there. <laughs> um, but no, um, you mentioned Filipino background, um, obviously a part of, of Southeast Asia. Um, I've also come from an Asian background. Uh, I'm Indian, South Asian. And so that taught me a lot growing up. i quite fortunate to have a really supportive mum. Dad, not so close with, but just a really supportive family. In there just with my mum and my brother so um they've always valued i guess education as as a big pillar in life and um working hard and yep. i'm wondering if you had those similarities as well because for me it's often been in you know stability has been a big thing part of that journey like um obviously they've come they've given up a lot to come to australia mm, set yep. themselves up um and you know you you, you kind of do grow up believing that stability is the thing that you know should be valued to the highest um and that does play a role, I guess, as we're going to talk in a couple of moments, um, to un- unbreaking those things, you know, whether, especially in the startup world, stability yeah. is the antonym to it. So, yeah, I'm wondering, like, what, what values did you learn? What did your family value as you were growing up? Um, and some of, the, like, some of the values that were instilled in you as well, if you could trace those back. Yeah, yeah. So to answer, you know, to answer those, you know,
1: you know, those questions is 100%. I could be my family, very much following, I guess, you know, the Asian stereotype, very much valued education, working hard, having a strong work ethic. Definitely my parents, they invested a lot into, into me when I was growing up, basically mm. helped me and funded all the things that I wanted to try, whether it be music, performing arts, athletics, sports, and definitely education. I definitely remember when I was younger, all these sort of... Enrichments and educational supplemental programs that I would do on the weekends they definitely invested in and they always encouraged me to do the very best that I could in academics and co-curricular activities. Hmm. The, the thing where I, I think my parents did deviate from the, from the usual Asian stereotype though is that they as much as they did encourage me to do these things they, they didn't force me it wasn't mm. like, you must get 100% every single <laughs> test. Otherwise, no dinner tonight. You know, no, not that level of you know, crazy intensity. But, uh, but definitely, <laughs> <you
0: did.
1: laughs> definitely it was a case of, you know, Ronnie, do mm. the very best you can. That's all we ever ask. And if your best isn't going to be 100%, that's fine. Just keep on trying, mm. just doing your best. And it really came from a place of positive constructive support rather than mm. not negative, but I guess corporal punishment threats if you didn't work. So yeah. to use yeah. another analogy, they were very much using the carrot all the time rather than the stick. Yeah. And I guess in the case of myself, I was very thankful that it worked out that way. Mm. And
0: yeah, I think I, I think it turned out all right. Yeah. Hundred no, percent. You've turned out very sexy, mate. Two guy, two guy, mate. <laughs> um, yeah. So how like I mean Oracle days. Um, you know, you're you're kind of working a nine to five. Um, that's actually when I met you as yep, well, yep. Um, just off the road on Saint Kilda Road, I think it was. Yes, um, Saint Kilda, Saint Kilda Road. <laughs> back in the day, <laughs> you had ducked out. You had ducked out for a hour lunch, I think, at that stage, and um, if only I knew the the hours that were so precious of yours in in the following <laughs> years. <laughs> um, but yeah, what what was that like? Um, did you have that itch to start exploring things? Because obviously, I do want to talk about Jarvis and and what led on to that, but um, Oracle days, did you find that yourself just not being satisfied with the work that you were doing, or that you felt that there was like this greater need to try and experiment and do something outside of that?
1: Oh, for sure, 100%. In fact, even before I got my job at Oracle, that was very much my objective. So Mm. for a bit of background, in my uni days going into Oracle is that there were a whole bunch of different business ideas and projects. I would call them startups because definitely I didn't have the discipline or energy Mm. just yet to be able to build them into something bigger, but definitely tried to do businesses, tried to make income, tried to work on things on the side in uni. And one of the things I really realized, especially my final year of uni is that number one, did not have the experience. Mm. And even if and even then, like, I mean, you don't need to have the experience to start something, you know, you'll get the experience as you work through it. But then number two, which really hurt me, not enough money. And I think a lot of people, especially university, you do underestimate just how much money it takes to be able to get a business off the ground. And yeah. in the scheme of things, it's not really, I wouldn't say that much, but I say, you know, like 20 to, you know, to 50 grand. While, you know, when you get older, it's you know, not a big deal. When you're a you know, starving uni student, you got a hex debt. Or, you know, you're an international student where you're paying, mm. you, know, six, you know, six figures worth to, to, to sorry, yeah, six figures worth, get through university, yeah, a <laughs> yeah. spare 20 grand, it's not really gonna, you know, come easy. So with that realization, I'm like, hey, mm. you know what, as much as I love startups, bite the bullet, swallow my pride, let's just get a job, get that experience and earn that money. And yeah. so that was very much my mentality when going through Oracle, work the nine to five job, do obviously the very best I can, fully focus on my job during working hours. Mm. But then I remember the evenings I would learn programming. So I started learning C and a little bit of Python during my spare time in my uh, Oracle days. And then also I started going into helping out other startups. So there were a couple of startups Mm. that I volunteered to just get insights from. And then also, of course, networking, meeting all sorts of people, reading up in the, the whole startup ecosystem, all of my spare hours,
0: out, uh, after you know, working my nine-to-five job. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, it's definitely an area of interest. I, I want to tackle the first area, which is you know something I think a lot of us face. Like I've definitely faced this a lot. Is like this idea of doubt. You know, mm-hmm. you're working yeah. a nine-to-five. It's it's pretty cruisy. Um, you know, this stability. You know, it's a Oracle' comp- Oracle's a massive company. Like you know, there's policies, procedures that really yeah. set it apart. Um. From you know an early stage startup or something that's still being institutionalized and getting off the ground, um, how did you battle that? You know when you you're obviously an early stage founder or early stage team of yep, Jarvis, yep. Um, and you got tapped on the shoulder for it. So you know maybe some of those aspects were already being teased out before you had joined, like the product market fit and, and everything yep. like that. But um, yeah, how did doubt play play a part?
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. So. I'll, I'll answer your question in two discrete components. So the first component mm. we'll think of is, how did I keep that, I guess, startup hustle mentality, even mm-hmm. with the pressure yeah, of corporate a, life? Yeah, and yeah then, 100%, that's a big point as well, yeah. Yep. And then the second component, yeah, you know, making the plunge, getting into, you know, getting getting that courage to quit my job mm. and go into into Jarvis full-time. Um, yeah, yeah, getting to Jarvis full-time. Mm. So the first component, is you could say I inoculated myself from the pleasures and the temptations of a nine to five job by the company I was around. Nothing special, mm-hmm. it's stuff which I'm sure many of our listeners and you, know, you, and, you, know, you and me, Sunny, we, we've read and heard time and time again, you basically become the average of the five people you're with. And so mm-hmm. I made it a very conscious decision that the people I hung out with during my regular corporate job weren't corporate types. Or if they were mm-hmm. corporate types, they were dying to get into into the startup scene yeah. and i remember one such guy uh, just yeah just in case he's not comfortable with uh, me sharing his name just a very good mate of <laughs> mine that i yep. that i just yep. met up with every single weekend and we go mm. hiking together without fail every single yeah you know this guy you know this guy but definitely we we you know we caught up every single weekend we held ourselves accountable we had these accountability mm. sessions saying hey you know what are we working on what do you want to achieve How are we gonna get there? And to be frank, every single week when we had these sessions, the progress was very slow, like with anything. But Mm. the big value I found is that because I was constantly being reminded that, hey, I don't wanna be in corporate forever. I want to be doing Mm. something else. Having those sessions met, I was always remembering that my main mission, my main vision, is to get into startups, Mm. is to have that, you know, awesome autonomy, is to, yeah, bluntly have that potential, you know, (laughs) riches and wealth, et cetera. And so I always had to keep my eye on the prize. And Mm. so when the opportunity came that when my co-founders, they tapped me on the shoulder saying, hey, Ronnie, we started this business. We think we've got product market fit. We'd like you to join. I was already in that right mental state to be like, hey, this is the opportunity I've been waiting for. This is what I want to do. Yeah. And so to get into the second component around how I had, I guess, that courage or the, the mindset of mm. you know, being ready to, to take the leap, a part of it is emotional and a part of it is logical. So the emotional mm. component was already being shored up by this whole, you know, what I mentioned in the first component mm. around always being uh, wanting to get into startups, it. always, you know, always yeah. consciously thinking I need to get into this space. But then also as well, is of all things it was a i think it was a not a story an instagram story but a a youtube video posted by gary v and he was talking (laughs) about how in your early 20s when you're 21 22 23 this is the perfect time to uh, do some 20, risky... 24 count? Oh, 24 <laughs> so 20. counts, mate. Right? I think, I think any time okay. before 30, <laughs> even, probably even before 40 or 50. You know, we know Gary, he, he
0: always finds a good reason for any age, but, you know, at least for I me. I just turned 24, that's why. I was like, oh, early 20s, 22, wait, 21, 22, 23. I was like, is 24 coming up? We're adjusting it, we're adjusting it. We're going to yeah. say 24. Yeah. 24. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, continue. <laughs> but yeah, you know,
1: you know, early early ages, early ages in or well, early stage of your life, that is the perfect chance to try something, because you have less or you have no obligations. Mm. You don't have a mortgage, or maybe you, you know, or maybe you, you know, or maybe you just have like you know less debt. You don't have a family. You don't have kids to feed. You may have a partner, but it's not like you are fully settling down just yet. You're able to take a hit. And when I heard that, I just realized that that's the current stage of my life that I'm in. I, I didn't have a mortgage. Didn't have these massive loans besides my hex debt didn't have you know family and your mouths to feed. So that was the great chance that I have to try something. And if I fail, it's not like I have people depending on me that are gonna suffer as a result.
0: Mm.
1: Then on the logical side is that when I spoke with my co-founders around the business, the business model, the, you know, the path to escape velocity, or you know, just you know, basically recurring mm-hmm. revenue, and you know, being able to sustain the business by itself. I, I looked at those numbers and I looked at the plan and we were already cash flow positive. There was a you know, there was a, a tangible idea you know, plan to get to escape velocity. You know, the business model was sound, we were getting business already coming in, even when I was helping out with them in the spare time. Mm. And so with those tangible results in place, I felt also comfortable with you know the facts that this is mm. this is something which is worth taking risk. And so yeah. combining these emotional as well as these logical reasons, when mm. I did finally call my boss to say that, hey, I quit. Well, yes, there was, of course, a little bit of fear. There was a little bit of mm. trepidation. You know, Am I making the right choice? There was still yeah. a lot of confidence being shored up behind it because I had the emotional push that I need to do this. Otherwise, I'll regret it for the rest of my life. And then also yeah. as well, the fact saying that, hey, we've done the best we can in such an early stage to make this business work.
0: If we're going to make this work and go full time, now is the time. I, I definitely resonate with you on the whole um trepidation part i <laughs> yeah i mean this this will probably get released uh in a couple of weeks, but I just resigned two days ago myself. You were probably much earlier on in that journey um and like obviously it's a small team, probably less than five people, so I'm probably mm-hmm. going into you know something that's a bit more established And so I probably don't feel the exact fear or th- like level of thought that you had put into it because you know you see the news articles etc and Jarvis probably wasn't at that stage when you had just joined in obviously there's such great success that's followed afterwards yeah at that early stage when like a lot of things were still being figured out how how you touched on money just a moment ago and you're like despite all the emotional and logical components that were there um you're obviously going into something where you're taking a quite a big pay cut Mm -hmm. and i know this goes into its whole different story as well um, but there's still like there's still a little bit of anxiousness that still comes. Like you know you're thrown into the complete deep end. You're probably not making as much money as you were yeah. previously. Um, how did you find that? Like the change in lifestyle? Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't as
1: bad as I feared it would be, mm-hmm. and it's for a variety of reasons. The first one, and this is why it is so important to have income. Is that I had a lot of savings. So mm. I had runway, personal runway, for my own personal expenses, that I could keep on working on the business without a salary for about two to two and a half years, depending on, you know, my my burn rate for, you know, how much mm. I spent on food, you know, petrol, rent, etc. So that gave me a lot of assurance that, hey, I've got enough funds to survive if we have no money coming in. Mm. And Yeah, we already had money coming in, so that gave me a lot of confidence (laughs) that, yeah, you know, we we will be able to pay ourselves a salary eventually, which we did. Mm. The other one, which I do consider myself very lucky, and I realize not everyone is in this position, but I did have parents that were like, hey, what you're doing is very risky, but we'll support you. If Mm. things go wrong, you can always go back to us and we'll be able to help you out until you can get back on your feet. And having that safety net is a big, big stress release a big stress relief, knowing that if everything goes wrong, even if somehow you lost all your money, the business just tanks, everything screwed up, you still have someone that can help you out.
0: Hmm.
1: And then the last component, which is, I guess, less positive, is that I did have stress. There were periods, though, that even with those two previous, I guess, reassurances that, you know, I was going to struggle, you know, I wouldn't be able to go out as much, I wouldn't be able to spend as much money on things that I would like to have had. I didn't go on holidays for many years during my time in mm. the early stages of Jarvis. And I won't lie, like those periods were tougher. And mm. I did have periods where I thought, you know, am I making the right choice? And I'm sure, Sonny, will go into more in depth around some of those struggles mm. later on yeah, in our chat. 100%. But I do think this is where it is very, very important that you keep on thinking about the, you know, the goal you have and the acceptance that, hey, things are going to suck. And so you just mm-hmm. keep on going. You embrace the suck. You embrace how bad it's going to be. And then when you get down to it and just get the work done, you realize that, hey, as long as you just chip away one mm. step at a time, it
0: may be bad, but it's it's not as bad mm. as you think it is. Mm. So it's very, very much taking that one step at a time approach as opposed to like, you know. You know. You focusing too incessantly on, like, the end goal. Because the end goal is just the accumulation of those small steps in the meantime, anyways. I wanted to ask you, and, and I might just ask you now, um, when was the first, like, when was the biggest shock? When, when did that come? You know, you're, you're in Jarvis, you're, you're in the weeds. <laughs> when did you, like, you know, you're working... Like, I'd, I'd love to hear this, like, what, what the weeks look like for you and, and how that accumulated. And, you know, in, in the startup world, you hear so much about burnout. You hear so mm, much yeah. about this mentality of founders eat last, um, you know, this idea of the hustle culture, you know, there's so much there that we can unpack, but yeah, yeah. When, when, like, is there a moment, like a distinct moment that stood out where it's just like, ah, oh, shit, like, yeah, this is tough. Like, yeah, where you kind of just took a step back and, and reflected, maybe it was a situation that took place. Um, but yeah, was there a moment like that where you just were like, shit, what have I done? I wouldn't say very early on, well, maybe it's all
1: relative but i didn't find this yeah. too early on i thought i think it was about six to eight months after quitting oracle and then really getting into Java's full-time and i remember it was very very late in the evening i was just smashing out some of the you know some of the work that we were doing to expand the business and then to my credit my co-founders one of them tapped me on the shoulder and be like ronnie you know let's just have a quick breather let's let's have a quick chat and he was telling me, Ronnie, like, you are working so, so bloody hard. And, you know, love the time and commitment you're putting into this. But, um, you know, are you sure you don't need some rest? Are you sure you don't need a break? Because the last thing we want to have from you is you have burnout. And I didn't want to admit it to myself, but the answer was yes. I, I was feeling a bit stressed. Well, not a bit stressed, really stressed. <laughs> I was feeling the burnout. I wasn't admitting it to myself because I really, really wanted this company to, uh, to succeed. And so credit again to my co-founders you know, for their empathy and leadership because they were also working hard, but they also realized that, hey, you, know, you need to get time off, you need to have a break. And so it was around that time where I began to, very slowly, very reluctantly, but uh, <laughs> you know, making the realization that, hey, I do need time for myself. I do need time to have a breather. Otherwise I'm gonna get sick, I'm gonna snap, I'm gonna burn out and I'm gonna be less productive in the long run. Mm. And so I mm. think from that moment, things did shift where up until that point, I was probably working oh, at least 100 hours a week. I was definitely working six and a half days for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And after that moment, that's when things began to become slightly less intense where mm. I would take a full day off. I mm. managed to make Sunday, convince myself that Sunday's a day where I can completely switch off, not worry about work, just focus on what I want to do, whether it be sleeping, socializing, playing video games, reading, whatever it is. Mm. Just give myself permission <laughs> to be able to take that breather.
0: Mm.
1: And so, you, yeah, I mean, just to, just to summarize it, I, I was lucky yeah. in the sense that, yeah, I had, you know, I had good friends, and I had my co-founders just tap me on the shoulder and say, Ronnie, mm.
0: this is an intervention.
1: Make sure you, mm. you have
0: time for yourself <laughs> so you can still perform. <laughs> uh, you touched on a good point there around giving permission. Mm. Um, is there was there a reason that you were denying it for yourself, or you know, sometimes, you know, you're in a fortunate spot where you know your founders have tapped you on the shoulder and, and recognize that you are yeah. working pretty damn hard. And I know, I know you you work very hard, Ronnie, and like it's it's something that's very admirable. For you know, a lot of people say that you know they they're quite keen to get into the startup world and small business, but I think sometimes they underestimate the hard work mm. that. Yeah kind of is involved but did you yeah I, I just want to explore that idea of giving permission because sometimes when we get stuck into the weeds um our scope is down yeah and we almost feel like our whole world is whatever we're doing at that point in time um did you yeah how how was your relationship with like you know I don't, I don't want to use the word self-respect because you know I don't think it's completely all about self-respect but just giving yourself the permission um like hey I can take a step back the business is not going to die. Um, and I'm not feeling guilty about the other two guys or other three people that are are still working quite late. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to explore that. Like, yeah, this idea of giving permission, like how has that played out for you? Yeah. So I would say this is
1: quote unquote, a character flaw within myself. Mm. And I think a couple of people in the startup scene, maybe many can relate to this as well, but, uh, it reaches a point where it's not so much wanting. Let let, let me, let me, let me like, yeah. let me put this another way, actually. So when you work on something that you're truly passionate about, it almost becomes a point where it's a point of pride, where Mm. you put in a lot of effort, you put in a lot of hours, or you create this input. So say for example, you almost have the reverse of FOMO where instead of being, you know, being sad that you're not socializing and missing out, you know, socializing <laughs> and missing out with lots of people, you're like, hell yeah, everyone else is slacking. I'm working really hard. Everyone's mm. only working eight hours a day. I'm bloody working you know, 14, 16 hours a day. I'm going yeah. to succeed because I'm working better than everybody else. Yeah. You, you take pride, yeah. like your ego <laughs> kicks in. You think, hey, you know what? I'm exhausted and tired, but this is what it takes to become successful. And I'm better yeah. than everyone else and I'm better than, you know, you know, the average mediocre person mm. as arrogant as it is that, you know, I'm putting in the hard yards and putting the effort. Like, it's addictive. Mm. You, like, you want to live up to that reputation, even if it's internal, that you can bust your ass and, you know, your hard effort will mean you succeed. And so to break out of that, I mean, personally, for me, it, I, I couldn't have done it myself. There's no way I could have done it myself without probably having a mental episode or having, a, you, know, a, you know, a massive breakdown or, you know, or, you know, extended burnout. And so... Again, this is where it's so important to have friends and people that care like you know my co-founders and my family and friends in which they they intervene they said hey Ronnie you yes. work hard we we admire that we want you to keep on working hard but not to the level that you are you're working so hard to the point where you are going to burn out you are not going to be uh, as effective as you normally are and we need you to have that break. And so for those neurotic highly egotistical people like me <laughs> that just want to keep on maintaining that I guess impression that you just will do everything it takes to keep on winning to keep on working have that support network of people around you who can tell you when to put the brakes and mm-hmm. I think you know to overcome probably the the resistance to it where you think oh you know you know why, why should I listen to someone who's telling me to take a break I'm working hard I want to succeed Make sure that, yes, you, know, you do have mentors of people that are more successful than you mm. who can tell you to, you know, to take a break because mm. hearing someone that is more successful than you and is actually in the position where you dream to be one day telling you to take a break, it is more convincing because it's like, hey, you know mm. they've succeeded. They must be doing something right. So I, I should
0: probably listen to them even if I don't feel like it's, <laughs> it's the right thing to do. The, yeah, I... I... Yeah, that that it, it is it is a toxic mindset, right? Like it is, it is. you think you, you think that you're like on this pedal stool, everyone's slacking off, I'm the one that's gonna be the greatest, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the whole pie and you know, like you know, when people look at me in the thirties they can be like, Oh wow, this guy's hustled. There's almost that status piece that yep, takes yep. place It is, well. it is. Like, um, did did you recognise that in yourself? Like as you were going through the weeds, um, or did you have someone call it out? Because for me, you, you definitely don't come across as someone that's ar- arrogant at all. But like, have you ever been called out on it? Or have you ever... Um, is it something that you're working on internally um, as well? Like, Yeah, so I uh, no, appreciate it. Right? No, thanks, for,
1: <laughs> thanks for giving the kudos that I'm not an arrogant guy. And uh, I mean, it's hard to tell what the truth is, especially when you know, you're, you're thinking about you know, from you know, your own internal perspective on, on yourself. Mm. I, I guess, though, that, that arrogance... Or I guess ego. That's just mm. something which I have reflected on, just in my own personal time. When you know I'm alone in my thoughts, I'm thinking about who I am as a person. You know, what do I want to do? What is my outlook in life? And at least my self-assessment is that at least mm. internally there is a lot of there is a lot of ego within me. Definitely, I, I mm. mean that that's something which I, I feel within myself. Yeah, I, I appreciate the honesty. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: yeah. Well, I was just going to say that uh, it may not always be outwardly displayed. Mm. But, you know you know your thoughts and feelings and your internal monologue can at times be very very different to what you present outside and so at least for me in my personal opinion and my personal perspective that I guess those darker traits around arrogance narcissism ego there's a lot of it within me and
0: even if it's not always expressed in public in private that's that's what I see all of us do have an ego to some, to some extent. And I think ego yeah, is yes. sometimes, it can be a good thing. Like it helps push us further. It helps give us like a future roadmap. Um, it gives us confidence to some extent, right? And, and I think that is an important thing. Um, where it becomes, I guess, toxic or, or bad uh, in, in quotes is when it yep. starts impacting the people around you or yep. you know, you're know, you seen as someone who's just self-absorbed, et you know, et cetera. Et cetera. But um, taking a bit of a shift away away from that we talked about stress just a moment ago as well. And, and, you know, being stuck into the weeds, how, how did that play out for you physically or mentally as well? Cause often when you're scraping the bottom of the barrel, mm, you've got yep. very little in you. Yep. Um, it becomes very tough to see the light at the end of the tunnel sometimes. Um, yeah. yeah, And yeah. Just wondering if that played out for you physically or, or mentally in any way. Oh, for sure. There definitely were, con- there were,
1: and I would arguably say our consequences physically and mm. emotionally, mentally, uh, for, you know, the work that I did. Mm. So physically definitely from my end, I'd be sleep deprivation that that was one. Yeah, You're running on six to seven hours of sleep every single night. It's, it's not healthy. It's not sustainable. Mm. And I was lucky in the sense that I very rarely got sick as a result. But what I did mm. see is other health complications. So, yeah. for myself, for me, just to our listeners, is that I, I do have a case of, uh, you know, asthma and eczema. And what I noticed is that because of the lack of sleep and the high-stress lifestyle I was living, I would have frequent eczema flare-ups. So, my skin would, like, explode into rashes. It'd get very, very itchy. I had, I had like, all these... It was physically disgusting. It was mm. just all these, like, red marks around my I, neck. I remember seeing that. Yeah, yeah. Around yeah. my neck, my chin, my arms... And that was just stress manifesting itself in my body, and it's something which, thankfully, it's nowhere near as bad anymore. But I still have <laughs> some of the scars to this day, like literal physical scars because mm. of yeah, because of those flare ups. And then emotionally and physic- uh, emotionally and and mentally, you know, we've already touched you know touched on it earlier, but you know the, the the risk of burnout, the you know, the risk of getting exhausted, but then also emotionally as well. And I guess related to relationships is mm. that the cost I had is that it was very, very hard for me to have relationships with people that didn't think on the same wavelength. Like I remember there was one one relationship, you know, one friendship I, I currently have and I'm glad we've repaired it now. But I remember two years into my time in Jarvis, I got, yeah, my friend asked me out for a couple of drinks and then... We're having drinks and everything. And then I get an urgent message saying we need to sort out something. And so in the middle of the drinks, in the middle of the bar, I take out my laptop and I start typing away and getting work done. Mm-hmm. And I remember my friend's face at the time. He's just like, you know, Ronnie, what the hell, what are you doing? We're meant to be having drinks. We're meant to be catching up after so long. And I'm like, sorry, dude, I really have to get this done. I need to, I need to get this work done. And you know, I finished the work. We, you know, we started drinking and chatting again. But I could tell from his face and our interaction that because he was working regular nine to five job, he was, you know, enjoying himself, enjoying life. He couldn't understand where I was coming from and why I found it so important that I had to do that job. You know, I had to do that Mm. task at that time. And then inversely, I was also callous enough and I didn't value his personal time that Mm. I was interrupting what was meant to be like a sacred time where we're meant to be socializing, catching up, where I just rudely opened up my laptop and started working for like 15, 20 minutes where he's just... You know, just drinking there by himself. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, both people, you know, neither one of us are right, neither one of us are wrong. But we just had very, very different attitudes to, you know, how we should live our life. And that relationship suffered for a couple of years. And I didn't speak with him for a very long time. And thankfully, now that things, I have a bit more free time now. And I can, I can definitely enjoy myself a lot more these days. <laughs> we're, we're now good friends again. We're now hanging out. You know, we're we're living it up in the city. We're having a good time. But that was, you know, one example of a relationship Mm. that suffered because I was on a different journey at the time. He was on a different journey at the time. And it meant that we weren't able to connect. And in fact, you know, the relationship got damaged because I was so focused on, you know, my mission and what I wanted to do.
0: Mm. Did you recognize that in the moment as well? A part of me did.
1: But then going back to ego, part of me was like, dude, Come on, you're pissing around. You only work eight hours a day. I'm actually mm-hmm. busting my ass here, wanting to succeed. I want to get rich. Mm-hmm. I want to be successful. Mm-hmm. I want to be my own boss. I want to do my own thing. You know, you don't understand. You're not going to be yeah. successful with me. Yeah. Like I, being very honest with myself, a lot of yeah, like a lot of, uh, yeah, arrogance and inflated self-importance really played a role in me thinking, the way I did, and I did recognize mm-hmm. what I was thinking and doing, but. I, in my, you know, swept up in, you know, how passionate I was at the time, I thought what I was doing was the right thing. It was the only mm. way to succeed if you want to be, you know, if you want to build, you know, the, the business that you want or the lifestyle that you want. And, you know, his, his lifestyle was wrong.
0: Mm. That's a, it's a very, it's a very tough place to be. Cause I, I can see the, I can see the perspective you're coming from and I can see the perspective that he's coming from as well. Yeah, it's, it's uh, a very, very tough it's very tough. And then quite frankly, like my attitude to
1: it was is very toxic. It's mm. like, yeah, you know, I definitely, definitely should keep on working hard. You know, if this is the path I want to lead, absolutely. I should be doing that. Mm. But for it to impact other people's lives where I'm almost being uh, condescending and mm. may, maybe not my words, because, you know, I didn't say that to his face. But, you know, condescending in my actions where I valued my, you know, my task on my laptop for that 15, 20 minutes Mm. over this personal time, which he had personally set aside to catch up with me. Mm. You know, actions in many ways speak louder than words. And my actions at the time showed that, hey, I valued that task, my business, you know, my work more than his time.
0: Mm. The, The real big theme here is this idea of relationships. And, you know, I... I've kind of been caught up on it. Not now, I don't think, but like I used to think, you know, going through uni and in the final year, like you get a high intensity job, you're working pretty hard. You don't have time for relationships like mm. they can't coexist. How how have relationships, either romantically, friendships with family kind of played out, you know, as you were going through that Jarvis journey? You know, you mentioned you're working six and a half uh, days a week, which is yeah, yeah. pretty ridiculous. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where, where did you get time for relationships, if you did, uh, yeah. during that whole entire journey? <laughs> yeah, so
1: that's where you, know, you, you just have to make the time. And a couple of years into my time in Jarvis, when I really did give myself permission to only work six days a week, and you'd have one yeah. day off. That, that's, when I, that's when things had even like a, a semblance of a work-life balance. I mean, it's still very lopsided, but I, I did recognize that, hey, I need to be able to make time for friends and family, and for and for dating and for relationships, and so. Number one is that yes, you know, again, made sure I had that one day off where I gave myself permission to enjoy myself, hang out with friends, you know, go on dates, and then also as well during the week, I I began to work less, and still work relatively crazy hours. Still, we're still talking you know twelve <laughs> to fourteen hour days, but then mm-hmm. what would happen is that. You know, afterwards, I I would make myself make the time for people, so you know I start my day like eight or nine o'clock. I finish my day, you know, eight nine or ten o'clock, but then say for dinner, for example, would block out an hour to catch up with friends. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, once I finish work for the day, I'd have a very very late you know late date at you know eight <laughs> thirty nine o'clock. You know, yeah. I mean it's not optimal, but when you really you know when you really do value something, you make the time, yeah. and then also as well is that. I did make the decision where, you know, the people I do hang out with, they would be people that would understand. So kind of going back to, you know, that, that friendship I mentioned where I took on my laptop for 20 minutes is that I did make the conscious decision that, hey, I'll hang out with them less because currently in my life, you know, we're not really compatible with our lifestyles. So with the people I hang out with, there'll be people who are, you know, in startups or they know people in the startup lifestyle and they can understand if I say, hey, I'm running late. Or, hey, I've got work that's, that's, you know, that's popped up. I'm sorry, we'll need to either push things back or reschedule. And so that way, when we do catch up, you know, it, it's not, not acrimonious. It's not, you know, they don't feel put off that I was running later. I had to reschedule. You know, they understand because, you know, they had that same lifestyle too. And so, you know, you, you get in there and instead of it being a frustrated, oh, oh, hey, man, you know, why did you, you know, why did you just like set the time to catch up at eight? You could only make it at nine. They'd be like, oh, dude, I'm glad you, you pushed it back to nine. I had work to do as well. So, <laughs> so you, know, that, that sort of, you know, that sort mm. of circle is, uh, I think, makes it more manageable to, to have, yeah. I guess, some semblance of, you know, good working relationships and, yeah, good personal relationships as
0: well. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm glad you brought up around that point around like, compatible lifestyles and yeah, i think yeah. for periods in your time sometimes in life like um you just have to put your head down and work and sometimes you don't see as friends as frequently or, or anything like that and you don't yeah, get yeah. that chance to like um yeah just sit back and banter right like it, it yeah. happens to us at any point in time I'm i'm sure like it'll happen again at some stage you know even if you're working through a tough problem you just need to buckle down and just work on that problem that's in front of you yeah one exactly. question i had is um you know this concept of toxic productivity. I think is the is yeah, the right yeah. word. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. you almost feel like every every minute it needs to be productive. Um, if you feel like you're slouching, you're taking time to watch a Netflix show, whatever it is, you don't feel like you're doing service to yourself. Um, mm, yeah. I've seen it play out. I've seen it play out in myself a little bit, and I'm getting better with this. Um, like this idea that if I'm not doing anything, I should be working. Okay, so yeah, I've got yeah. normal work. Full time work, got the podcast, got other like, you know, passion projects that I do on the side, whether it's reading, you know, I view reading as productive, you know, whatever it might be. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I found myself getting into a really toxic habit of any half an hour slot I see in the day, okay, I can be writing up a script. For <laughs> yeah, podcast. <yes>. Yep, but- <laughs> I could be reaching out to another guest um, or whatever it might be. But, um, and that's why I really like Ali Abdaal, if anyone's watched his YouTube videos, he's really honest about this as well. He's a productivity guru, but also very honest about how it's played out in his life. And I found yeah. his content really helpful. Um, how, how has that played out for you, toxic productivity? Because I know it's a it's a big thing impacting me, but I know a lot of other people are in a very similar boat as well.
1: Oh, yeah. Like
0: toxic productivity and I guess, you know, the more benign version of it, just,
1: I guess, you know, the, the guilt when not being productive. Oh, Yeah. Have, have it in spades. Like I still mm. have it. I still have it now. I'll be bloody this morning, Sonny. I, you know, <laughs> I got COVID-19. I wake up in the morning and I, don't I, I, you know, I you know, wake up, go to the bathroom and I figured, you know what, I'll, I'll have a quick look at my phone and then I check out YouTube for a little bit and then I realize, yeah. oh, oh, crap! I've spent thirty minutes watching YouTube. I should, <laughs> you know, I, I should be, I should be working out. I know, I'm not, i I'm sick, but I should be working out. I should be meditating. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah, like that, that, You know, all the sort of you know productivity. You hacks. meditating in the toilet. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Like you know, like that. That attitude of wanting to maximize your time. It's like still, I still have that in spades, even though my life right now is mm. is much more relaxed. Mm. Uh, I think where, uh, you know, how you deal with that toxic. Productivity. Uh, sorry, Sonny, Just, um, just so I can answer the question correctly. What uh, mm. could you could you say the question again?
0: Yeah, I'm just keen to know how it's played out for you. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, like, if you want, like, if there's examples of it. I mean, the the one on the toilet's is a perfect example. Um, <laughs> I don't know if we have to give many more details about that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, just how it's played out for you, and like, um, yeah, it's it's it's. I think it's something that. You know, if you are brought up and taught that being productive, working hard is the way to get yourself out of things, yeah, um, it very much folds into your identity. Yes, as well, right. Like yes. a simple, simple example, like you know, if you, you grow up in a migrant family, you see them working hard, and they teach you that working hard, you know, there's no such thing as luck. You create your own luck. Yeah, Work hard yeah. gets you out of any situation. So that's also a toxic place to be in as well right because sometimes you forget to see that all the other you have a social battery right you have an emotional battery you've got a charge and those things aren't always productive um but yeah keen to know how it's played out in your life if there is any yeah yeah, yeah. so I mean I've I've learned there definitely is but yeah (laughs) (laughs) so so yeah like you know
1: 30 minutes of YouTube in the bathroom okay so that's that's the more I guess the more tongue-in-cheek you know the the manifestation (laughs) of it but I mean definitely the you know that sort of toxic productivity that desire to just keep on working oh for sure it just Mm. it was dominating my psyche like I mean I would even track how many hours every day I was spent working and Mm. this is actually uh i would say uh, almost a character flaw because i'd measured Mm. the raw output which was considerable but i also didn't look at the you know the output per unit per hour so you know the you know the the raw productivity Mm. and you know the the trap that you have with toxic products you know toxic productivity is that ironically you don't even look at productivity you don't look at the output per hour You, you look at the raw output and so you reach this point where you think you're doing a lot of work, which you are, but you're so focused on working, working, working. You don't look at how you can be more efficient and effective. Mm. It's to use the whole, uh, I think it was Stephen Covey who mentions how, you know, you're, you're working so hard to cut down the tree, but then you're not looking at how you can sharpen the saw. I, I, could, be, I could be attributing it incorrectly to Stephen Covey, but you know, one of of those productivity or thought leaders, they talk about how you work so hard and you're getting the work done, but you don't see how you can improve your tools, your mindset, so you can get even more done in the same amount of time. And so that's where having that obsession with working hard can work against you because you focus so much in getting all the low level tasks done, you don't think about how you can delegate to be more efficient. You don't think about how you can create new processes that are more efficient. You don't think about software that you could purchase or get the freemium models that could make mm-hmm. you be more effective with your time or get more things done. And so this is a very important skill to learn as you're not even just an entrepreneur, but someone who just wants to be more effective in life where you just get so obsessed with work, 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 being effective, being effective, being effective, that you don't actually take a step back and think, how do I get more effective? How do I amplify my, you know, my hour of input as you know as actual more effective you know uh you know a greater quantity of output and so i think that you know if we think from a lens not so much of mental health but even just you know if you're obsessed about being of you know being productive you know that's an aspect Mm. which you really need to
0: think about really really need to focus on and really be aware of Mm. that's a very good point even um like we had a guest come on dj and he was talking about you know if you've got a mental hierarchy of productive rest and unproductive rest, then like you've got it all wrong. Because you know how sometimes even when we're trying to rest, we try and characterize those different levels of rest. Yes, (laughs) And that that takes us down a uh takes us down a loop. Um that itself can be very toxic as well. Who did you mention? Was it Tim Cubby? Uh Stephen Covey. Stephen Cubby. I'm sure I'm misattributing this whole sharpening
1: the saw incorrectly. Like, you know, not not you know working on your tools rather than you know, you know like focusing on the output rather than focusing on improving your tools. I'm sure I'm attributing it to him incorrectly, but just it's at least in, from my perspective, it seems to be a very common thing mm-hmm. among many mm-hmm. you know many high-powered individuals, whether it be in business, sports, relationships, life, where you focus so much on the task at hand that you don't think about how to be more effective and more efficient at the task at hand. <laughs> just for the benefit of people listening in in my time in jarvis i was wearing many hats i was building out the sales processes and sales team early on and then i made a shift towards operations so that was a lot of customer service a lot of checking with our you know our staff and contractors that they were doing their job but Mm. also because i was the last line of defense so to speak Mm. i was also the person that got all the complaints so when my Mm. when my uh, when my staff members yeah, when the people in my team couldn't handle a very irate customer, I was the one the irate customer spoke to at the very end to have a solution. And while there was many different things I was doing, many different tasks that I was juggling, dealing with customer complaints is definitely the the biggest, <laughs> the biggest mm. emotional and uh, physical strain. Well, <laughs> maybe not physical, but definitely emotional. <laughs> oh boy, because I mean. <laughs> it's- it's yeah, it's heavy. it's heavy, it's heavy, it's heavy because you can have an amazing business where, let's just say for argument's sake, you have 100 customers that are very happy mm-hmm. every single day and you have, say, a 99% satisfaction rate. You can mm-hmm. still have that 1% where that one person calls and they're, you know, and they're unhappy or they're pissed off or something mm-hmm. went wildly wrong. And that's even with just a small, you know, relatively smaller volume of 100 customers every day. Now, imagine mm. you have a thousand customers. Suddenly, this 1% goes from just being one angry call to 10 angry calls. Now, imagine mm. that you have even more customers than that. Mm. Imagine that happening every day, <laughs> every single day for months on end for a couple of years. Mm. <laughs> it takes a toll. It takes a toll. <laughs> that, and so, that a, yeah, that's a lot, man. Yeah, yeah. And so, that's what I think a lot of people need to appreciate and understand that. You can have an amazing business and you can have, yeah, again, 99% satisfaction rate. But just with you know, massive raw numbers, the actual quantity of that 1% will still be large. And mm. it can be discouraging because you feel as if your business sucks when you have 10 plus calls every day or 10 plus escalations where people say you're the, you know, you're the worst business ever. You know you're, you're, mm. your your staff are not doing the right job, your service doesn't work as it's quoted, I'm gonna sue you, I'm gonna mm. put all these bad reviews online. And even if the thousands of other customers are happy with what you do, because you're always dealing with the angry ones, you feel as if you suck, you feel like you're worthless, you feel like what you're doing isn't good enough. And it's so easy to say, hey, you know, don't take it personally, disassociate yourself from the task. They're angry at the service, they're not angry at you. But then, you know, that, that's words. It's easy, you know, it's easier to say that than, you know, to actually consciously remember that when you've been spending years being really passionate about something, putting your heart and soul into it, you know, neglecting relationships with friends or mm. neglecting relationships with other people. And then to suddenly say, hey, you know what? Let it go. It's not a big deal. It's just a business. Don't take it personally. It's making that, making that distinction and remembering that in the heat of the moment. It's so much easier said. Than
0: done. <laughs> no, I'm I'm glad you've been able to put your like hair down, take some time off because there would be a lot of sort of pent up stress <laughs> over yeah. the last couple of years. Like <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> I love how you described it as like uh, the life you never had. <laughs> <laughs> the what well, one one point you touched on that quickly, and I realize we probably haven't spoken about it yet, but you hinted at it earlier, like repairing relationships. Yeah. Um. You know, you've been working really hard for the last four five six years um you know head down pretty insane hours not really always having the capacity to catch up with everyone or or the people that are really close right you know you meet yeah. some really awesome people at uni life gets in the way you get quite busy and you often think to yourself like ah shit like i wonder what he's up to right yeah, yeah. um i had that moment just uh two weeks ago i i went on a trip to um berlin uh in uni met a guy um he's Told him about the podcast as well. So hopefully he's listening. (laughs) Um, Love it, love it. We caught caught up for the first time in about two and a half, three years uh, for dinner. Um, And he was just someone that came to mind. I was like, wow, he was an awesome dude. Keen to see what he's up to. Um, And yeah, met up at Pellegrini's, had an awesome catch up. And so much has happened since. Um, And I guess the question to you is like, how have you gone about repairing those relationships? But even so, a lot of people change over the last... For, people change, right? Within a year, people change, uh, or within even six months. But over five years, you know, so much has happened. They're sometimes a completely different person, yeah, hundred um, percent, to the person you knew them to be. Um, have you had those experiences with a few people um, as well?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And they they run the full spectrum on their uh, on how much on how they changed. Mm. So, on the one hand, I've had sadly. Some people who I've tried to reconnect with, but because I haven't spoken to them for so long, our conversations are very sporadic and almost non-existent. Like I remember there was this one friend of mine really, really close during university. We'd be chatting, we'd be discussing, we'd be hanging out all the time. Even during my time in Oracle, still have good chats. But then after you know, being silent for so long in Jarvis, when I reconnect and send a message, they're like, you know, hey, how's things? How's it going? Mm and we, we don't connect on any level
0: mm.
1: they, they just moved on they moved on to the next phase of their life like they're now getting married they're looking you know to buy a house and there's just barely any connection there and then i i actually i this was a couple of weeks ago i even sent i, I remember i sent them a message and they just left me on scene. Mm. they they saw my message didn't even acknowledge it and they haven't replied back and it sucks. Like, I mean, I wanted to re- you know, rebuild the relationship, but I guess, you know, they've moved on. I was silent for so long. And so at least for now, the, the window or that door to that relationship has, has closed. Hmm. On the flip side, though, you know, there have been some where I haven't messaged them for a while and then I reconnected like, hey, dude, you know, good to see you. It's been so long. In fact, going back to that same friend again, <laughs> that, um, <laughs> yeah, the one where I took out that laptop and, you know, while we're having drinks, we, you know, we, we went out and partied mm. the other weekend. I wouldn't be surprised that's where we got COVID. But I still remember, <laughs> you know, we were having good, we we're having drinks, we are partying, we we're having a good time. And he's like, hey man, it's, it's really good to hang out with you again. Like mm. you're, you're the old, you're one of the few guys I know that isn't married yet, who hasn't, you know, got into a deep committed relationship. <laughs> you still want to have fun. You're still acting like you're 18 years old because <laughs> he's still very much of that lifestyle. And it's like, yeah, you know, now i got the time, you know, I mean, yeah. i you know, I've reached this level of success that I'm very happy with. I'm sure there's going to be the next stage you'll be hungry for, but for now, I'm happy. Mm. And so hanging out with him and enjoying myself, it's great. And, mm. you know, that relationship's been repaired.
0: The man with the laptop. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. <laughs> what is funny, though, as well, though, Sonny, is that, you know, with people that I have reconnected with, you know, they run the, again, even with that, you know, that, um, you know, the, you know those people, their lifestyles, have, they've run the full spectrum reconnecting. Like this, you know, this friend I you know, mentioned, he's still very much a bachelor. He's still living life. He's still partying. Mm. He's having fun. He hasn't changed. Then I have some <laughs> people who, yeah, you know, they've done the 180 where they're now working really, really, really hard. Like there was one, one person, which I remember, uh, I met her in one of my final years in uni. Mm. And she wasn't very ambitious. She was very chill. She, you know, she wanted to take life easy. Now she's working in one of you know, the bulge bracket banks, working the crazy hours. And she's told me that, yeah, Ronnie, you know, this is what she's, you know, she's realized that she wants to do. She likes the lifestyle. She loves working really hard. And I would not have expected that from her several mm. years ago because she was just so chill. I want to say unambitious, but just so, well, you know, just wanted to go with the flow. And yeah. and just seeing happy this go change. Lucky, right? Yeah, happy-go-lucky. And so yeah. seeing this change where now she's just hustling and, frankly, working <laughs> harder than me right now. <laughs> it's like, wow, I did not expect this. This is, this is surprising. Yeah. And, I mean... Just on a side note, I guess, kind of going into mental health and so on and what we're doing, you know, back in the day, probably a part of me would have thought, hell yeah, you're working your ass off. This is amazing. Good on you. You're going to succeed. Mm. And there's still a part of me that thinks that way. I have no doubt that, you know, financially, Mm. at least you'll be very successful. But now I guess having had a couple of mental scars and (laughs) you're going through the experience of working really hard and coming out the other side, I'm just thinking, yeah, I just hope that for your sake that. You know, you you do find, you know, your balance, whatever that may be, Mm -hmm. where you're still working very effectively, working very hard, but you still have time for yourself and you're still able to enjoy your time with
0: friends and family and, you know, the others around you. I was going to ask, like, how have you dealt with expectations? Like, because there's always going to be someone who's got their life together. They're moving on, you know, especially if you've got a lot of friends that are settling down and and things like that. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Has, has that, has that played a role? To be honest, I mean, all right, cop out short answer is
1: yes and no. <laughs> the long answer, and this is almost a bit of a cop out as well, but I'll go into more detail is that, you know, it depends on what you want. So for instance, you know, some of the expectations, I think for a lot of people by our age, you know, they've, you know, they've, d- they've done a lot of traveling. They've, you know, they lived a good life. They're, you know, in a relationship, they're beginning to settle down. And You know, with those, I guess, those three sort of attributes, to be fair, the first attribute about traveling. Yeah, I couldn't really have done that in the last two to three years, (laughs) (laughs) but definitely pre-COVID, pre-lockdowns, you know, a lot of my friends were traveling heaps. A lot of people, I think, you know, had that expectation, hey, you know, you got to see the world, you got to enjoy yourself. And at least for me, with, you know, my personal skill sets and my personal goals and aspirations, like, I don't really care. Like, don't get me wrong. Mm. If I go on holiday, I will love it. But I've never really mm. felt that pressing desire that some people have where, you know, you need to have that wanderlust where you need to go and mm. find yourself and travel and so on. Like, I've never really seen that. I don't, see, like, I don't see the point. I'm sure I'll be eating my own words one year from now, Sonny. When <laughs> lockdown ends, I go traveling. I'll be like, God damn, this is what I've been missing. Why haven't I done this sooner? <laughs> but, uh, but at least for now, back, like... Backpacking from
0: hostel to hostel. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, um, but yeah, at least, you know, my outlook in life has been being... That's not what I've wanted. So the expectation Mm. where you need to have, you know, the holiday or, Mm. you know, have that deep relationship or, you know, settle down, that's not been what I've been after. Mm. And I I think as a result, feeling like you've missed out on that expectation, at least for that sort of lifestyle, doesn't affect me. Mm. On the flip side, I, for example, have seen, uh, you know, some, you know, just videos on YouTube or, you know, talking to people, enough, yeah, people from overseas, and <laughs> yeah, like I'm like right Kna- now, one of the things on Discord, <laughs> oh, <laughs> all, all the chats, yeah, all the Clubhouse Discord, <laughs> or you know, just random chats behind masks, you know, and, uh, you know, and, like the you know, while well, getting groceries, and that, yeah, you yeah. know, some people, you know, when they have, you know, like I remember speaking to someone who can speak six different languages. I can, can speak shit. Yeah, you know, like Mandarin is like Mandarin, Russian, French, Spanish, German, and Korean. I think and oh, wow. yeah just just you know full-on polyglot incredible person and mm. like for myself you know right now learning mandarin and i meet this person i think you know what have i been doing in my life all i've been doing is going to the gym and making money yeah this person <laughs> can literally speak to six different cultures fluently mm. that is freaking awesome mm. and at least for me now the expectation is well you know you know now in this stage of my life i, I want to be you know better at, you know speaking different languages you know what am i doing you know how, how can i get to that mm. level and so I think it comes down to as always what what do you value in life and then if you meet people who are living out that value then yes then you feel like there's an
0: expectation that you need to you need to follow through with when you do have like the core values alignment I think that definitely makes it a lot more easier to like navigate and discuss and and talk through all the other things that maybe aren't working Um, because you know at the end of the day like I trust this guy I can work with him he's a cool guy We've just got to work out this thing. It's like a relationship as well. It very much is a relationship, actually. It's almost like, it's like a non-romantic, really intimate, close relationship. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Uh, I hope they're listening. They're probably just like, what the heck is (laughs) that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah, we've, we've been talking for ages. This is an awesome conversation, man. Like, really, really enjoyed it. I feel like I've learned a lot. Obviously the man the man with the laptop, I'm very curious. Maybe I, I create like a little meme with like the question mark and the man with the laptop, that's like the that's like the podcast photo for this episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. The man with the laptop with Ronnie Quintana. And then
1: you yeah, make sure you had the background where everyone's like partying, everyone's getting drunk yeah. and then here I am. It's
0: like a disco. <laughs> um, um no, I just wanted to ask, like, what's next? Uh, we touched on it earlier. Um you mentioned you're writing a book, um, I know that's still in progress, but um, yeah, what, what's, what's happening, what's next, and where can people find you if, if you do want to, if, if, if someone's listened to this story and, and they want to connect with you, um, really identify with your story. You've obviously got a lot more time on your hands and hopefully <laughs> they have very little laptops that they can pull out. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, would you be open to people reaching out to you and, and connecting?
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So to go into more detail around, you know, what I'm doing with my life is that, quite frankly, I'm, I'm very much enjoying the current position I'm in. So, you know, my current work and, you know, the acquired company, you know, the hours that I work, very, very much happy with that. And then in my spare time, socializing, going out. But then I guess for a more, you know, productive side of things, <laughs> like, yeah, like like what I mentioned before, I'm, I'm very much, you know, learning, you know, you know, learning Mandarin, learning a new skill. But keeping that, you know, that part of my lifestyle alive, because I'm sure I'm going to get back into it sooner or later, but just, you know, just cultivating it, just keeping it, just keeping it, I guess, not like a big part of my life, but just keeping that part going just so that way I don't lose it. And then on a more, I guess, you know, passion piece and passion project is, yeah, passion project is, yes, writing a book. And, you know, the book I'm working on right now is, funnily enough, has some overlap around, you know your podcast sunny what you do in which this book is meant to help teens and young adults go through life and the challenges they face because especially during during lockdowns and coronavirus i saw this with family members and you know you know, um, you know younger people And that the isolation meant that they were struggling with socializing struggling with enjoying themselves struggling with being able to find their purpose in life and so the book i'm writing I hardly think it's it's original. I mean, it's so many permutations <laughs> have been done before, but it's a book to help younger people you know, navigate that. Hmm. So there's that as a productive side, but then also something which I'm doing is very much giving back, in which I very much love coaching and mentoring and teaching. And in fact, right now, informally, I'm mentoring and teaching a couple of people right now. And I'm hmm. even speaking to a couple of universities and potentially doing workshops and doing presentations. Right. And just... It's honestly like an open, open conversation, an open invite, in which anyone listening to this, if my story, whether it's the business side, the, you know, the mental aspect or something else resonated with you, you wanted me to you know, have a chat with you or you're part of an organization where you want me to you know, share my experience or you know, give training or workshops on you know, helping yourselves out in you know, sales or business or entrepreneurship or mental health or you know, just my experiences in general more than happy to have a chat and would find immense pleasure in you know sharing my story and helping up people in you know my own small way. And then yeah, just to answer that last part around how you can contact me. Well definitely, you know, you can reach out to Sunny you know, and then Sunny if they, you know, if people have expressed interest, just tap me on the yeah. shoulder. Always happy to have a chat. Otherwise, yes, I'm on you know, I'm on LinkedIn on a more informal case, of course, I'm on, you know, Instagram and all, all those social media. But definitely I think the the easiest way is that either on LinkedIn, just find me on Roddy Kintanar or tap Sonny on the shoulder. Make sure that yeah, you, you introduce them to me, mate. I'm more yeah. than happy to, to have the chat.
0: I'm, I'm looking forward to all the group chats.
1: <laughs> the group chats, indeed. Share share yeah. the love, share the knowledge, and share the bats. And
0: those that those are the, uh, listening, I mentioned at the start, like how um, it was a semi-embarrassing, I don't know if it was embarrassing, sorry, how you and I met, Rodney. Um, I actually reached out to you randomly. On yes, LinkedIn. yeah. Um, So those that are listening, I guess this is a little prize at the end, (laughs) Uh, a little nugget. Um, But uh, yeah, I reached out to Ronnie on LinkedIn in like Jan 2016, I think. Um, I don't even know if I had started uni at this stage. No, no. Reached out to you. Um, I don't even know what instigated it. I think you reached out and you were like, hey, we've got a lot of um, mutual connections. Do you know any of them? And I think I replied being back. I think I just did a similar thing to what I just did here, <laughs> just reached out to them. <laughs> if I remember um, correctly, yeah.
1: yeah. if I remember correctly, Sunny, at least in this instance, it, it was you. I was very impressed by this. It was you who was reaching out because correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you had this university course that you were doing in high school and then you yep. had a good relationship yep. with one yep. of the professors or one of the tutors and yep. then you're asking them about, you know, what are some you know, cool people in, you know, who are in university who are working. Yeah. That you, know, yep. that you could reach out to. And then one of them, yeah. and I've considered this, Yeah, you know, I mean, very, very humbled by this, but they, you know, one of them mentioned my <laughs> name and they dropped me a message and I'm like, God damn, this guy hasn't even started uni and he's already yeah. using LinkedIn and networking. I, I got to talk to this guy,
0: <laughs> yeah. so. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why uh, I chose one. Yeah, because of that extension subject. So I was doing yeah, um, yeah. extension maths in year 12 and um, yeah, met a couple of people, your name came up, reached out <laughs> to you. You actually said yes, <laughs> didn't leave me on scene, which I'm uh, very grateful for. And then we caught up on the on a cafe, I think, or some plaza in yep. just off off the road on Saint Kilda Road, uh, and then kept in touch. And then, yeah, like I think in the three, four years, four or five years that have ensued after, I think we've realized we have a lot of mutuals, um, <laughs> yeah, we do and connections we do. together. Um, and, yeah, all like, uh, uh, I don't know if they want me to mention their names, but all different parts of the um, spectrum, like um, from GCG days. Um, yep, and, yep. and there's a couple of others uh, that live around Port Melbourne. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's a very small world. I think it's a very small world. It um, is indeed. And... But, yeah, very, very happy for the relationship that we have Um yeah, I'm, I'm super pumped for what's ahead. Um, you've just told an incredible story and I, I do hope people reach out. So feel free to reach out to me if, um, either on Bottled Up um, or on Facebook if you have me um, and happy to get you connected with Ronnie. Um, yeah. You're an awesome dude, dudes. So, thank you for sharing. Uh, thank you for being very open and transparent. There's a lot of different themes we touched on. So, um, even contemplating whether we split this into two episodes, but <laughs> <laughs> um, I hope people do make it through to the end. But yeah, just want to say thank you uh, and look forward to the next one. Hopefully, it's a special guest on board the man with the laptop. <laughs> <And Lonnie Kintana. laughs> uh, thank you, dude. Yeah, just want to close off and just say thank you. My uh, pleasure, and, and, mate. And that's a wrap for this episode. If you're enjoying our conversations, please help us out with a quick rate and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. All the conversations are recorded in video, so check us out on Instagram and Facebook at our handle at BottledUpOz. Drop us a comment or a message if any of these conversations resonate with you. And most importantly, please share this podcast with anyone who might need it. So as always, this is Bottled Up. Thanks for being part of our family and see you next time.